Welcome to Culture Bites, where we take culture theory and turn it into everyday insights. We're powered by Human Synergistics, and our mission is to change the world one organization at a time. We can only do that together with our amazing community, so thank you for listening. Welcome to Culture Bites. My name's Dominic Gawley. I'm a consultant with Human Synergistics Australia, and I'm joined by our general manager, David Byram, or DB. How's it going, DB? Dom, it's great to be back with you again. It's been a while since we've got into the studio. It's been a while. You're a busy man. You're a busy man. We won't get into that. No, no, I wouldn't actually say uh, busy. I have the best job in the world, and it certainly keeps me active. Um, I don't so much like the word busy, but uh, we're making a difference. You know, what it's inspired me post-COVID times is the effort people are putting into not only culture, but their leadership impact. So it's really, you know, I have to say it's really cool. Well, I like it because Snap, we're going to talk about some of that, talking about impact and the difference made. And a belief I have, and I think you hold the same, you know, is never underestimate the power of the frontline leader. Oh, absolutely. You know, leadership is key. You know, as leaders, we cast a shadow and everyone talks about the shadow of the leader. And the frontline leader casts a shadow just like the CEO of an organization does, or the chairman of the board. Mm. The thing with frontline leaders, though, is they're at the coalface. They're with the bulk of the employees, all right? Uh, They're potentially there at 3 a.m. in the morning if they're in a logistics or a warehousing Mm -hmm. or a manufacturing operation, Mm -hmm. or they're at the call center, or they're right in the middle of an IT problem-solving challenge. Mm. So the frontline leaders have a massive impact on organizational culture. And helping these frontline leaders be their best is clearly a challenge that a lot of organizations have. So I'd love to pick your brains on that. And I think, as you said, they actually manage the bulk of the employees directly. 100%. Because, you know, know, everyone only has so many reports, but that's the biggest leadership level, if you like. There's the most leaders at that level. And so that's most people's experience of the organization is their leader. 100%. The experience I have with my leader, and I often get asked, you know, what's the biggest lever to pull? And I often say it's leadership, you know, leadership, then communication. And I'd throw, if you asked me a third, I'd throw in really having a really clear purpose and knowing who we're doing it for. Hmm. But leadership is the standout, all right? What leaders do on a daily basis, what they role model, how they show up, how open they are, how they communicate what recognition they provide, it sets the tone. Leaders willingly, unwillingly, consciously, unconsciously actually really drive the behaviors of others uh, through their actions, particularly frontline leaders. Mm. So if I'm listening to this podcast right now, I'm a frontline leader and I'm fired up to make a difference, what are some things I should be thinking about as far as you know how I shape my team, how I impact the culture from my position in the organization? What are some stuff I should be thinking about doing? Yeah, it's a great question. You know, as a frontline leader, I've probably moved through the ranks and I've gotten to the position I am because I'm technically good. Yep. All right. And I know how to get stuff done. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I know how to move things, fix problems. I know the connections I need to, need to have. And that's important, right? So ultimately, you still got to deliver. All right. Uh, all teams need to deliver on their promise to employees, customers, and shareholders. Yep. But what I would say is that a frontline leader, recognize that you're no longer the doer, all right? If I was put it into sporting parlance, you're no longer the player on the team. Mm. 
At times you might play. Equally, you're no longer the coach. You're no longer the captain on the team. You, you might have to direct and guide at times and be on the field, but you've really got the role now of coach. Mm. So you've really moved from being the player to the coach. So as a consequence of being the coach, you're a bit more off field. Mm. All right. So you need to understand your players. Mm. So the first thing I would say is get to know your people. All right. Yep. What motivates your people? What inspires them? What do they want to be doing? Where do they want to be going? And the more you get to know your people, the easier it's going to be for you to get your job done as coach. That'll be number one. Build those relationships. Absolutely. Uh, All right. You know, I, I, we, we did another podcast, DB, on because I, I reckon uh, affiliative is some, sometimes underrated. But how many problems aren't problems if we've got a relationship? 100%. Like we can talk about it. Who, who's the boss that mm. you'll go, or the manager, that you'll go the extra mile or 10 for yep. is the one you have the relationship with? Yeah, 100%. You know, and you know, if I've got a relationship with my leader and I see my leader as, we call it in our causal factors, we actually call it consideration, right? Mm. So I see my leader as open, mm. uh, friendly, mm. easy to approach. So if my leader is that, I'm going to be more inclined to lean into them. So to do that, I've got to get to know them, yep. all right? So how do I get to know them? You know, I ask them, how are they going? What's the top of mind for them? How can I help them? What do they need from me? How do they want to grow? How do they want to develop? Exactly right. So I've got to have that relationship. So number one, look, I'd say really get to know your team, mm. all right? And you don't have to be their best friend, right? It's not about being their best buddy, yep. but it's really knowing what motivates them. Number two, I would say is really know what great looks like. Have a really clear understanding of a good day today is, all right? And talk about what a good day today is. So as frontline leaders, you're kicking off toolbox talks every morning. You're generally closing out toolbox talks of an afternoon. You may or may not have some visual boards around, which will help drive achievement Mm. in your organization. But talk about what a good is. Mm. So a good day today is and our goals today are and how we'll troubleshoot if we have problems today will mm. be. And, so, and how have we gone today? And then yep. at the end of the day, mm. how did we go today? Mm. All right, what worked really well today? And set ourselves up for tomorrow a bit by saying, what do we need to address tomorrow mm. that we might not have done today? So if I've got to know them, I'm going to be in a great position to set up expectations for what great looks like mm. and success. Mm. And it's not driving a mentality of win-lose. It's really creating the environment of win-win, all right, and knowing what our priorities are, what our focus areas are, and truly together, how do we make that difference? Mm. Um, So I know them, and we all know how we're going to succeed together, Mm. what our goals are. And it's surprising how many teams or individuals probably couldn't give you an answer to what does a good day look like. It's my favorite question of um, teams as they walk out the door and I haven't done too much shadowing now, but I used to do a bit of shadowing on night shifts and early morning day shifts. And I'd ask, always ask the team leader and then some of the teams and say, what will make today great? And they would have an idea directionally, mm. but they'd often articulate really what the priorities were for the day mm. and how we're going to you know, collectively succeed today as a group. If you can document that and have it visual, you're going to win even further. Mm. And with the art of technology now and plasma screens and digital screens, there's some really good technology around to help you do that. Mm. What I would say, though, is don't let the technology do the work for you. Yeah. All right? Mm. As a leader, you've got to talk about what great is. 
You just can't have it on a board because if it's just up on a board, I'm not talking about it. Let me tell you, it's like having a foosball table in your lunchroom. Yeah. All right. It doesn't actually create the culture. As a leader, you create the culture, not the digital board. And it's a great point in general. Like with sometimes with culture programs, I've seen people, you know, with appraisals, they'll say, oh, when we get that new appraisal system, you know, or that new coaching system, it's like you could do it on a piece of paper. You could do. Right. All you need is a piece of paper, to be honest, and a pen. Now, the system's awesome. That's cool. But you could do it without it because the actual thing that matters is the conversation. 100%. It's the language. It's our relationship. And it's how we actually move, grow together. So don't wait for the technology. I guess that's what I'm saying. Like you don't need it. It's awesome if you have it. That's fantastic. I'm all for it, but don't wait for it. Correct. And you know, and let's be brutally honest, the technology is probably not necessarily for the the leaders at the core, at the front line, because they probably know what's going on. Mm. All right. That Mm. streamlined reporting is probably for people who need to get some uh, data going, what's going on. So if I give you the third one, and then we can probably pause and, and expand. So we've got to know them. We've set clear expectations. And then my primary role, you know, I've set the shift up for success. People know who I am. My primary role is to uh, remove the barriers, right? Troubleshoot with them. How do I build connections? So it's my role is to make the shift run smoothly and as effectively as it can do. So how do we do that as a group? What can we do and what can I do to make your life easier? Because ultimately, we still want to succeed on today. So how do I go about solving problems with you hopefully predicting problems for you. Mm. So I'm, I'm actually ahead of the curve and minimizing the number of problems that are going to come down to you. So I've got to know them. I've actually set clear expectations. And now I'm helping you be the best today. And I might be coaching you on technical skills. I might be coaching you with relationships. I might be helping you plan your work. Or I could be helping you troubleshoot. So expand for me a bit more on that because you talked earlier about moving from the player to the to the coach kind of role. So from a mindset point of view, you know, what's kind of the key difference? Yeah, that's a great question. The mindset of the coach, if we get under the hood, it's really in that humanistic space, right? How do I help others be their best? All right. And when I really stretch myself, it's how can I learn from others? All right. So if I'm really in that humanistic space, I see my role is to develop, impart knowledge, share with others, you know, build their capability, ultimately say, I'm not needed. So as the coach, I'm going to identify opportunities. I'm going to identify where there's some gaps. But technically, I might know the answer. But a really good coach might ask them, what do they think first? Because, or what are they seeing? rather than just giving them the answer because then I'm building some autonomy and I'm allowing them to potentially make some decisions through that. And I'm actually building their confidence that they might have the same answers that I've got and we can move forward. I reckon this is a challenge for frontline leaders, particularly you know those newer in their role where maybe they got a promotion, maybe they were one of the team, one of the peers, and now they're the, the leader. And so there's sort of a feeling of I need to prove myself a bit and so I've got the answers. Let me show them I've got the answer. Let me show them how, how you know, competent I am and, and that's why I got the promotion, right? And so it's kind of counterintuitive, right? Because you're saying rather than telling them all the answers, ask them. What they think. What do they think? Yeah, absolutely. I think that is absolutely the way to go because 
at times you do need to give the answer though. So let's be let me sure. be clear. Sure. Um, you know, there's a there's a challenge going on. There's a little bit of a, a crisis, shall we say, or something needs to be done. You need to make the call. That's you're the frontline leader. But if they're always relying on you to make the call, all right, and direct, tell, demand might be some stronger words. They're going to always rely on you, all right. And what you're going to find is you're going to end up back being a player. Mm. All right. You're going to end up doing a lot of the work mm. rather than coaching and guiding. Mm. And, you know, the best coaches in the world are continually to learn themselves. So, as one of the frontline, as a frontline leader of others, how do you continue to learn? How do you learn from them? It's a bit, uh, you're on a bit of a wrong highway if you think you know it all. At any leadership level, I should say, mm. um, all leaders need to learn how to uh, actually learn from others. You know, and, and on that note, and I think you kind of alluded to this earlier, leadership is leadership. You know, we, we talk about frontline leaders, but leadership is leadership at the end of the day. And all the things you've mentioned so far apply to every level of leadership. 100%. Yeah. Leadership is leadership. And you are a role model as a leader. As the CEO or the chairman of a board, you're more visible. All right. You're probably being watched more. So, you know, the higher up the pyramid, the hierarchical tree or pyramid, the more people are watching your every move and cues, more people see you. So, more people see you because of the pyramid kind That's of structure. Right. But as the frontline leader, your team are watching you. 100%. You know, yeah. like the people who matter to you, you know, or, you know, yeah. who report to you. That's exactly. They're looking at what you're up to. As that's well. exactly the point, right? So, everyone sees the CEO, but the impact of the CEO is not as great as on your team as you are. Yes. Yeah. Yep. On the day-to-day make stuff happen. It's you. It's you. Yeah. Yep. What signals do you send your team? And you know, it gets into communication, right? So when you do your toolbox talk in the morning, what are you talking about? What are you not talking about? Mm. What do you share? What don't you share? Do you allow others to run parts of the toolbox or do you feel you need to run it all? Back mm. to that control piece. Mm. And then what messages, and this is one of the things big believers I believe is, what messages are you hearing from your team? Open are they to you? What do they share mm. with you? Mm. Or more, how much do you need to probe to get answers? Are they really open to you? Or do you need to ask three questions just to work out where they're at today? And, and here's the challenge. If that's the case, right, like I've got to dig or like maybe I find out about something too late. Do you know what I mean? Like they kind of hid something and then it blew up. Because you could get mad at the team. They should have told me. Mm. But I'm asking the question, why didn't they tell me? 100%. What, what is it that I'm doing that they feel like they can't tell me that up front? That's the question to ask, right? It's an absolute illusion. The more people think they're in control and the more they at, a, at our individual diagnostic level, the higher the power that an individual has, the more they feel they need the control because they feel they know it and they want to be mm. in control. Mm. The higher they are there, the less in control they are. Because uh, the more controlling you become, the more dependent others potentially come, and the less likely they are to share with you. Uh, you think you're pulling all the strings, but it's an illusion. You're actually pulling none of the strings because you're not hearing the, hearing what's going you're not on. Hearing it all. Mm. Yes, very interesting. You know, and and on that as well, something I talk to frontline leaders, well, again, any leader, but frontline leaders about is because you've been washed. You got to. I'm thinking how to phrase this. I was going to say keep your emotions in check. Not that we're unemotional, like I don't want to say that you know we're a robot who who has no emotion, but it's calmness is contagious, so is panic. 
So as you know, and if they see like, hey, my leader flies off the handle of something, that's when I start not coming to you with stuff. Oh, 100%. You know, like, hey, so and so got their head taken off last time they said something to, you know, the boss. I might not, uh, might not do that. And it becomes your brand, Mm -hmm. right? It becomes your absolute brand. I'm smiling because I, long, long time ago, uh, I smiled. I was somewhere and I saw a frontline leader, something go wrong. And let's just say the frontline leader wasn't his calmest. Right. Uh, he lost it mm. big time. Mm. Took off his hard hat, went outside, threw his hard hat across this logistics tarmac, and it went flying across the thing. And I looked to the people next to me and they went, ah, oh, that's just him. That's just his brand. So the reason I share that story is you don't get many chances to build a really good personal brand. Mm. Because your brand develops really fast, all right? And you want to make sure your brand is one of calm, all right? Your brand is one of, I'm here to help you. My brand is, you can come to me with anything and talk to me because it'll be okay, Mm. you know? It is what it is Mm. and we'll work through it. We're creating a brand of fear. People will not come to you. In fact, they'll hide from you and probably laugh behind your back, Mm. which is what was happening with this poor individual. Yeah, and sometimes it can be like, oh, you know, um, I just drive hard, tough standards and stuff. But the reality is, is that it's not hard and tough. It's it's kind of unstable. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, because people don't think of that as being emotional in the same way as like someone who's doubtful or or sad or something like that. But it is. It's all emotion. You know. Yeah. And you know, there's a difference between being disappointed and being angry. Right. All right. I can be disappointed with our performance, but when I get angry about our performance, mm. it changes the tone of the conversation, mm. Mm. all right? And it's, it's okay to be disappointed if you, if you think you've undershot or haven't delivered on a promise. But when you get angry about it, all right, you're not going to be in this growth of learning mindset, all right? And the key is to learn because uh, not everything's going to be perfect all the time as a frontline leader, and that's okay. Absolutely not. <laughs> That's reality. Cool. Is there anything else we should be thinking of? I think if they do those three tips, and uh, I don't know how long I've been going for this podcast, I'm always conscious that I go for longer than anyone else. You're good. I think if we focus on you know getting to know people, setting clear expectations, then every day helping them be their best. And my role of frontline leader is, dare I say it, it's not in the it's not in the team leader shed. Mm. The role of the frontline leader is actually out on the floor in the call center or wherever it might be. Mm. Maximize your team out and about, seeing what's going on, watching for the problems, and less back of house. Mm. Yeah, more front of house, less back of house is what I'd say. Yep. Get out there, walk around, visit your people, in situ. Yeah, absolutely. See what's going on. Yeah, you get a wealth of information. 100%. Awesome. I love those. And I love that it's simple, not necessarily easy, but simple, right? So- Get to know your people. Set those standards. What does a good day look like? I really like that question. Remove the barriers. Coach your people. You know, build them up. How do you set them up for success? Awesome. Thanks, DB. Great to be back in the studio, Dom. Great to be back. And speaking of being back, later this year, we're back in person for our annual conference. So that's pretty exciting. So Very pumped. I am extremely pumped. Three years virtual. We're coming back face-to-face only. Look forward to it. It's going to be awesome. So we've got it coming up in Sydney and Melbourne. 
at the September. So Sydney's on the 5th, Melbourne on the 13th. So, you know, you're it's an awesome opportunity to to hear from from clients about successes or even challenges that they've had in, in their journeys, whether that be culture, leadership, team, whatever it might be. And it's an awesome opportunity to just get the whole community together, like-minded souls in the same place, all talking about the stuff. If you're a fan of Culture Bites, you'll be a fan of the conference for sure. So we hope to see you there. Um, check out our website. You'll be able to register and come along. Awesome. Thanks, DB. Sounds good, Dom. Looking forward to seeing everyone at the conference. Stay well. Thanks for listening to this episode of Culture Bites. If you enjoy the show, remember to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, leave us a review. It helps other people to find the show. If you have a question you'd like us to answer, email podcast at human-synergistics.com.au. We'd love to answer it. This podcast is copyrighted by Human Synergistics Australia, all rights reserved. To learn more about what we do, visit human-synergistics.com.au.